Welcome to the Digitally Native podcast, a podcast that explores what it means to be digital and to live digital lives. I'm your host, Fungai, and together we will explore a range of topics and trends around digital and social media and digital innovation. So grab a drink, buckle up, and let's get right into it. Hello, and welcome to the podcast for this week. Um, It's a long weekend, it's a holiday, and I do hope that you are taking the time uh, to rest and catch up on all the things that uh, this first quarter of the year probably hasn't um, allowed us time and space to do. Um, It's always good to have a long uh, stretch of time to yourself or to yourself and your loved ones. Uh, Today's episode is um, a kind of collage of different things that I have uh, have a few opinions about or perspectives about or I would like to start a conversation about rather and I was interested to do this um, episode from a, a social media thread or threads that I came across on Twitter Uh, last week, and they uh, were about a woman, a Kenyan woman who is um, the spouse of a popular DJ there uh, called DJ Brownskin. Um, And so she, uh, her name is Sharon Wangi, was Sharon Wangi, and she passed on last year. Uh, And so recent evidence has come to the surface that um, she actually had committed suicide and that her partner, this DJ, had been recording her in the process of ingesting the poison and eventually, um, you know, becoming very sick. And this was all done in the presence of one of their children. And so, you know, this has um, outraged a lot of Kenyans who felt and feel that uh, there is something uh, very wrong with humanity and the humanity of people who are comfortable to record such horrific content without actually helping or supporting um, their partner to rethink their decision or to not take on that decision. And I think, um, you know, more and more that I think about uh, these kinds of situations, I think of so many different instances of um, the engagement that we now have as social media users that we never could have had previously. So in this specific instance, um, obviously there is less likelihood that we would have known the details of this woman's uh, last minutes or moments had there not been a recording of this but then um the thing that um you know when we had previous instances pre-social media where you could actually uh, witness something quite horrific happening in real time like an accident if you happen to be on the road and um, an accident occurred you know bystanders come through and they want to know what's happened um so we've always had this kind of bystander um, perspective. You know, people have always been um, engaged in some ways in something happening and wanting to understand what has happened. But now with social media, it's 
on a very different level. I mean, these are things that we are now observing and having access to that are happening in people's private homes and spaces. And so that brings in a lot of questions about, you know, the bystander um, approach and what, you know, the bystander, the social media bystander now has access to and if that is actually something useful. Um, does it help us actually uh, create a better society or is it actually diminishing our societies? I think particularly in societies that, um, you know, it's quite interesting because I think the societies, African societies in particular, pride themselves in being very communal. However, there are certain aspects of that communality that then um, get trespassed and make people very upset because they feel that certain things should not be happening the way that they are. And so here we have someone who's recorded something that's very horrific and very uh, tragic, and it has gained a communality that it would normally not have had it just happened in private. Uh, but at the same time, that communality, it, it holds the perpetrator to a higher standard but then it also has the bystanders asking why this person would record this. So it's a very um, complex dynamic of people now having access to information they otherwise would not have had access to and then having more of an opinion about it. But at the same time, wishing that that content did not exist. So it's almost like the two reinforce each other in some way that you don't want that content to exist, but since it exists, it brings up issues that people want to then have a communal uh, conversation about. Um, I think another example of something not quite in the same vein, uh, but then something similar that um, happened that was very jarring for me earlier this year actually was um, the, the murder of... Uh, the popular South African rapper, AKA. And um, I think many people who would know or have followed that story would know <clears throat> that he was um, in Durban sometime in February um, on a pavement outside and um, CCT, CCTV footage uh, recorded his last moments um, from the, the last person he was having an engagement with and gave a hug to, to you know, the gunman or the person who shot him coming around and, you know, directing this gun to, to his head and shooting him dead. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of, I think, I suppose it's just, you know, shock that comes with experiencing things that we normally would not experience in those ways. Um, but then I think, again, the bystander approach or the bystander, the bystander perspective comes into play because you now have people having theories about what exactly happened. So I, I think on the morning that um, the confirmation came that, you know, he had died, you had a lot of people who were, you know, watching this video and forming all kinds of perspectives and saying, no, this is what happened. This person and that person gave each other a signal. So this person is is complicit, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and all these kinds of um, theories that people then come up with about what actually happened. And I think even um, lately, the, the Forbes family or AKA's family um, has released a statement to say, um, 
you know, to ask for people's calm in the investigations that are happening around his murder because I think, again, people are coming up with all kinds of theories and perspectives around, you know, how he was killed, who killed him, and why. And so we're in this era where we are bystanders still, but then we're bystanders with a lot more access to a lot more information than we've ever had before. And then this begs the question, well, what is the role of what is our role as bystanders in these experiences? And is it actually helpful? You know, are we actually moving things in a certain way or are we just expressing our own opinions and perspectives about something that we otherwise would not have had um, an opinion or a, as an overt opinion about? And, and does it actually help? So, I mean, these are just two examples, you know, the, the, the first one obviously is, is, I mean, they're both horrific and tragic um, and they both have had people come out to say <clears throat> the things that have happened should not have happened and um, there needs to be um, some sort of justice for the victims. However, um, the question is, do we actually move anything or do we just show this collective rage and then kind of move on with our, our lives? You know, it's, it's the same kind of thing that happens, I think, sometimes when, you know, the example of the woman who is um, being beaten by her partner in her home and, you know, people around them can hear the sounds, can um, hear what's happening and they can condemn the situation. They can say, you know, they can be like, no, this is not right. And um, maybe even march up to the home and say, you know, you need to stop doing whatever you're doing. But then if it keeps happening, people tend to then mind their own business and say, well, uh, there's nothing I can do about this situation. You know, we've tried. And so I, I wonder if, you know, when we have these collective moments of outrage about a situation, if it happens again, and, you know, sometimes we may have similar outrage, or we may just say, well, you know what, we actually tried to say something the last time and nothing came of it. So it might as well, might as well leave it alone. It has nothing to do with us. I wonder if it does not contribute to our potential apathy about situations. I think there's always going to be specific cases and instances of situations that will get people uh, to engage. I think um, the element of celebrity, for instance, um, will always have people engage with whatever happens to celebrities or people of fame or of a certain reputation in society because um, they're aspirational. They're people that um, we, a lot of us look to and say, oh, you know, you have the quote unquote perfect life. And so when something happens to someone who is of that uh, stature, we are more invested and interested to know because I think it is this human, um, what do we call it? You know, human beings have a natural tendency to, um, it's, it's psychologically proven to, uh, to, to enjoy, not to enjoy, I suppose, but then to have, to gain some sort of satisfaction in seeing people who they see as having unattainable lifestyles uh, brought to a similar standing to the average person. So there is always a fascination in that, the rich, rich to rags story, um, 
because it's somewhat more relatable. Rags to riches is a lot harder. There's, you know, far, it's a far more complicated, tends to be a far more complicated trajectory, trajectory rather than the other way around. And so there is this human fascination with um, the macabre or the dark because it, it sort of orients us all to a common humanity in this very, you know, somewhat twisted way. And so you have um, all these kinds of experiences that start to uh, to become points of conversation where we want to know a little bit more about, you know, what happened, who they were with, why, etc. And we become judge and juror. And it's been proven before. I mean, even in mainstream media previous to social media, um, it's well known that pages that have stories about tragedy um, are, are more engaged with than stories about people's successes because tragedy is something somewhat relatable across the human spectrum. Um, it's something that I guess we've befalls all of us. We've had knocks. And so when we see other people knocked down, we engage more with it. And so again, this content that we engage more with, um, I don't want to say that it's all entirely that a, a psychological thing that we, 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 we revel in seeing things like that. But there is a greater propensity for people to respond to that sort of content. And then the question is, what happens after that? Obviously, this um, tends to have a, a galvanizing effect. Sometimes it, it brings the content down. People actually, their engagement with it and their outrage around it leads to content being taken off social media platforms um, because it, it violates community guidelines and standards, etc. But then beyond that, the question is what happens? You know, is there is there anything that becomes of our collective rage? And where is it channeled to? Because you know, people will call on governments to do something. They will call on um, society to do something. But in the absence of substantive substantive actions um, and, you know, things being actually articulated in a structured way, it, it becomes our, our outrage that sits somewhere as well on social media. And sometimes it moves things and sometimes it doesn't. And um, I think that's always the interesting thing to ask and to explore a little bit more is how does our collective rage about tragic instances or incidents uh, actually move society to a better place or does it move society to a better place? And so, you know, what is the role that social media then plays in this this dynamic, this rubric of, um, of us ex expressing our rage about things but not necessarily always moving it, this rage, into a collective constructive direction. I hope that makes sense. Um, it's it's a pondering for the day. It's a shorter pondering than I would normally um, go into. It's just something that came to me um, as I thought about, you know, where we are, because, you know, we have these instances and examples of things that are constantly happening around us. And we are, as humanity, very um, mobilized by things that are, you know, negative, And we want things to be better. But 
how we express that and articulate that collectively is also equally important. Um, I, I actually remember that um, some years ago, uh, a friend of mine, um, a colleague of mine, left Facebook uh, after having realized that his neighbor had uh, his neighbors had had a death. And he hadn't he hadn't been informed about this and found out about it on Facebook, and he became very, um, I suppose, not anti Facebook, but then Facebook started to represent something to him that was a very negative thing, um, because I think Facebook touts itself as a communal space. It's a space for people to come together and share their highs and lows, etc. And so for him, that was that was the perceptive perspective he had of the platform, not as a death notification space, especially because he lived so close to the people who had had a death. He would have assumed that they would have informed the people around them about it. And so I think these platforms are starting to, you know, have more and more of a connotation for different people. Um, in ways that sometimes make people very uncomfortable to engage with them because they don't want to lose a certain sense of the material world, the things that would happen normally in the material world, which are now being erased um, in the social space. The boundaries, the barriers to access to certain kinds of information, um, the embeddedness we now have in people's private lives and all those dynamics of things that we normally would not have access to, but now we have these mass conversations about people who we would only normally know from a distance, and now we have an insider perspective, a bystander's, bystander's perspective within their homes. And so, yeah, I'll leave it there, and I will, um, uh, as usual, offer no solutions, but would love to know what you think um, and how you navigate these these dynamics which are becoming more and more um you know our our, our norm so you can always uh, send us a tweet if you have anything to say our twitter handle is at native podcast or you can send us an email um, with any queries and thoughts our email address is info at digitallynativepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the last stretch of this holiday. Um, And, you know, I hope you come bright and early for Tuesday and the rest of the week. Take care. Mm